Hello and welcome to TNWKS, the Now We Know show, the show where we discuss a topic of interest and by the end we will have learnt something new and hopefully you will too. I'm Zach. I'm Buzz and we've got back in the studio Sarah Downing. Hello again. And she's going to be telling us all about the creative process of writing a book and getting it published. How exciting. If you enjoy the Now We Know Show podcast, support Zachwell Productions on Patreon or join our members on YouTube for early access, ad-free content and exclusive episodes. So, before we get into the weird and wonderful world of books, it's time for... Weird and Wonderful! So, this time I have brought in the story, and the story is... Man builds Eiffel Tower model with 700,000 matchsticks over eight years only to have the world record rejected. Oh. Oh, I think I'd be a little bit... uh... Disappointed if that was me. The model maker says Guinness World Records rejected his efforts without even looking at his 23.6 feet model, stating two reasons for its decision. Ooh, two reasons. Why do you think, Sarah, that his Eiffel Tower may have been uh, disqualified before even being seen? Because, I mean, it is quite a feat, and I've seen a picture. Yeah. It, it does look rather impressive. I was, say, was it not accurate? Or... Well, okay, it's interesting. It might not be for the reasons you think. Okay. So... He said it was because the structure must be built from matches that are available for public purchase and don't have red flammable tips. They must also not be cut, disassembled or deformed to the point where they are no longer recognised as matches. Oh, you mean to would half a match? That would be deformed, so it's not a match anymore, oh. apparently. Okay. How'd you... oh, <sighs> that seems extremely nitpicky. Yeah. Like you have to light the matches and then blow them out? Yes. To, to prove yeah, yeah. it. So if, if, to prove if, if, the actual matches rather than yeah, the, the ones you can matches. That's a bit bizarre, really, because when you consider uh, safety matches, obviously, are not the red tips. Mm. And they don't want you to not have... They don't want you to have the red tips, but you don't have the tip on it when you make it. As you say, Sarah, you, you usually either scrape the tip off or so you light it. What that says to me is a match is only a match when it looks like a match that's not a and and it doesn't have it's, can't only, be like, it's only a safety match it has to be the modern match not like a old match if that makes sense uh, is there a difference well you said the old match has like the like the oh, you can flick it oh stuff. you're talking about the non-safety match yes yes, yes that's yes. what i mean well there you go that's oh, kind of that's kind pretty of mean sad. that's yeah. really mean I've... so what on earth is he gonna do with this <laughs> 24 foot replica of the eiffel tower sacrificial burning, burning. i was gonna say if if, it, oh. if you use the matches with the red tips and the red tips are still on there, fine. <laughs> this is what I, this is what I think of your world record. <laughs> Eight years of my life <laughs> I this. have spent on this. Ah! That must be excruciating to go through something like that. Oh, yeah. I suppose it... Okay, for the listeners out there, if you're going to build something out of matches, check, check the, the specific specifications <laughs> first of what classifies as. Yeah, because I do know the that accepted match. The Guinness World Records can be very pernickety when it comes to like technical specs on things. Okay. Like when it comes to like Dalek collections and things, mm-hmm. and there is a world record for that. Okay. Which I'm trying to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I don't necessarily agree with is yep. the fact that every single Dalek has to be different. Has to be different. So different yes. colour? Yes. Different shape? And like, 
they don't even you have to like make a million custom ones you're gonna have to mess it's very about. strange it's very strange how yeah. they kind of how bizarre that mind you it also has to have recognize the exact things. amount of um balls on it as that well, is quite it? funny so the, like the paradigm daleks that was matt smith like the yeah. ones that are very multicolored. yeah they're not officially daleks because they don't have enough Balls. <laughs> <laughs> the short on balls. The short on balls to be official, darling. So oh dear. There you go. And there we have it. Yeah, well, that's your weird and wonderful then. Pretty right. weird and pretty okay. sad. Anyway, well, hey, we got Sarah. Hiya, Sarah. Hiya. Right, we are in the studio and we are talking about writing. Yes. Okay. And about the process, that, 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 that process of creativity. Uh, they say that everybody has a, a book inside them. And I kind of agree with that, but I don't necessarily think it's necessarily a good book always. <laughs> you know, there are what people, are you trying to say, Buster? There are people that say that, 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 that you know, some people haven't got the capacity of writing a book, but everybody's got a story. Hmm. Um, but I suppose the thing is, it's it's how you go about putting it down on paper. Whether yeah, it's, that's the challenge. Whether it's fictional, whether it's, um, you know... Non-fiction. Non-fiction, you know, whatever. I mean, it could be a book which is about biography, sciences yeah. or a biography or something. So take us through the process because, Sarah, you are an author. Yes. And you have written a six, not one, four, but quite a lot of four books. Four published books to this Yeah, and this working point. on the fifth one at the moment. Exactly. Wow. So a very, in our opinion, a very successful author. And mm. I've, I've read that your first set of books and they were fascinating. So yeah. take yeah. us away. Okay, um, well, like with the Eiffel Tower thing, the first thing to do is research. Um, so depending on your um, audience and the genre you're planning to write in um, will affect sort of the word length you're going to be aiming for. Um, adult novels are usually sort of 60 to 100,000 words, um, which sounds really daunting, but it, it's not too bad. Um, the sort of young adult books are um, sort of fifty thousand to ninety thousand words, um, and then yeah, novellas so short stories are between 17,500 17, and forty thousand words, and then like a short story for an anthology is like ten thousand words, which you know very short. I'm not very good at short stories. There's just not enough room to <laughs> fit everything in. Well, it could to. be short, or you could make it longer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if I add this bit, what if I add this bit? Yeah. That must be. I mean, again, I remember being. Oh, this is years ago. Being back at school, and there was a, an author came round, and this would have been primary school. Even this is this is you know lower school if you're two two school tier system. Um, but and I can't remember the author's name. Um, oh, he did books about. I think it was Billy Bunter character called Billy Bunter. I can't uh, say I've ever heard of Billy no, Bunter. I haven't. And uh, well anyway the point was is I even these years later I remember this visit from this author because it had an, it made an impression. Hmm. And and back then he said when you're writing a story you've got to have a start, a middle and an end in order to con construct that story. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and I thought well actually you know that's that's probably and that bit of advice has, has stuck with me. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with know. that. So yeah. what gives you an inspiration i mean first of all maybe you should give us a little back background on yourself sarah what type of books do you do you write um the first four are sort of sword and sorcery fantasy books oh we awesome. do like a bit of sword and we sorcery. do we do well the first book i started writing because i was working away i was in a hotel by myself for at least a month 
mm-hmm. run out of stuff to read. Um, can be then hate it, reality TV. It's like then right, it hit so, you. It hit you. Well, I'd read a book. Um, someone else self-published, and absolutely nothing happened in the middle. Right. And I thought I can do better than this. And I thought, well, money where your mouth is. Right, Boom. Yeah. So what an inspiration. Wrote the first one, and then my sister turned around to me and went, "Well, no, you finished it. Better do something with it." So I had to go at self-publishing. Mm. Um, okay. You can take us through that process in, yes. in, in, a, in a short while. So did you want to tell us the titles of your books? Yeah, go on. Give it a plug. Give it a plug. <laughs> go on. Okay, so the series is called uh, Wolf Aaron series, um, and the four books are Bound, Weft of Crimson, Wolf in Shadow, and Blood Song. And we actually have them here in the studio. As a form of reference. Yeah, as a form of reference. <laughs> Not that the listeners oh. can see, unless they're seeing like, pictures. Uh, uh, so this is a complete um, book all following one after another yes, in yes. The, the same it's characters content, in the yes. book. And um, where would the listeners be able to purchase these? Um, they're available through most sort of bookshops and online. They're in paperback, Kindle. The first one is um, available as an audio book as well. Oh, um, right. I've got the second one to edit as an audio book. Wow. Um, which maybe you can take us again we talk about the process of, of doing that because that's that's a different thing altogether isn't it yes yeah um i one of my friends it was a study drama at uni so he's narrated it all for me mm-hmm. um which there's about 10 hours of recording so that's going to be about 50 hours of yeah. editing because they say roughly about five hours per hour oh, so yeah. it's finding the 50 hours whilst i'm finishing writing mm. the next book so it's time, time, to- <laughs> time management there. So, it's, what, what, it's uh, what platforms uh, is the audio book on if people want to download it? Um, it's on Audible, Spotify. Um, can't remember where else because um, I publish it through a couple of different platforms. Okay. Um, so, so one one is Audible, and then the other one is a company called um, Find Away Voices, mm. and they they send it out to library catalogues and things so you can download it through libraries and yeah just search the title right so you want to be looking for bound by sarah downing yes and i can put links in the description of this video if you're listening on youtube yes um, it's definitely up on spotify as well awesome so you're there the process of writing what advice would you give um first one don't be tempted to use your thesaurus. When you're writing, some, it's really easy to get, oh, you know, I'm sure I can find a better word for that and use your th- thesaurus. And then your readers, every other, you know, they're constantly having to look up words. Oh, because they don't mm. understand. Yeah, because um, most books have an eighth level reading level. Under the proofreading on Word, it, um, you need to turn the function on, but when you do spell check, it'll give you your readability of your documents. So if it's higher than eight, you need to look at your word choices, your paragraph lengths. Oh, right. So this is something I've never heard wow. of before. Yeah. Well, uh, well again, you know, so there. even from, from when you literally are going to start, I doubt people write books literally by getting a pen and paper and physically handwriting the book. And in the old days, you always see like movies and things where authors are sitting at a typewriter. But mm. of course, things have completely changed these days, you know, because yeah. you've gone from typewriters. And when I started business, I had an electric typewriter, word processor thing, which was like, yeah. wow, this is I amazing. But of course, 
now we just have our laptops or even our tel telephones have documents and stuff that you yeah, can type on. Yeah. Uh, and you've just said something that I had never considered. So you've got things that you can actually utilize within these software programs that are going to help you. Yes. Um, words will do sort of dictation. So you can dictate your book and it'll type it. There's other programs that will do that. Is um, that something you find useful? Do you make kind of audio? Uh, if you suddenly have an idea. So if you're thinking, oh, I've got an idea. Do you write that down? Do you suddenly pop your phone out and record a little audio? memo to yourself um i usually make a note of it and then don't refer back to it because <laughs> i've always got sort of the story in the back of my mind whatever i'm doing and it's like oh i could do that and then i make a note of it sit down in front of the computer and it doesn't actually tie in with what i've actually mm. written right um yeah so. it's, it's interesting to see how that idea like develops and changes and like can you like bring that idea back into the story or do you just basically sidetrack ideas um, like that probably a bit of sidetrack i mean i do plot the story out beforehand mm -hmm. um Good because <laughs> in the various genres there are certain scenes you need to have um mm. there's a really good book called um the anatomy of um genre by john truby he he goes through all those key points for the detective crime theories romances um you name it, it, it's in there. Um, and if you're mixing genres, you need to have the points for both of those genres. Ooh, that's really interesting. So I must check this book out. Um, it makes it easier in some ways because you know you need to hit. So if it's romance, you know, they usually end up breaking up for some reason and then they realise they've made a mistake and they get back together. You, you, you've just literally just quoted every <laughs> Christmas romance <laughs> film. Exactly. And it turns, <laughs> it turns out love was in front of her. All, all the time. time. Oh no, <laughs> yeah. she's been offered a job in New York and yeah. she's going to have to leave. That, yeah, that scene usually, <laughs> usually takes place about two-thirds to a quarter of the way through the book. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so you know where that, that scene's got to come. And mm. then, so it, it helps sort of plot out where the story's going. Um, so, yeah, if you get stuck, write those scenes and then fill in between. Um, I, certainly with the one I'm doing at the moment i write the first sort of quarter of the book so twenty five thousand words mm. which is like so as you said books are split into beginning middle end mm -hmm. the middle is always twice the size of the beginning and the end so you've got twenty five thousand words for your beginning fifty thousand words for the middle twenty five thousand for the end mm -hmm. so, i do feel I, I read a book uh, recently which uh, was kind of post-apocalyptic i'm not going to mention it because it, it was actually a really good book i enjoyed it apart from that was a thing it, the beginning took a while, yeah? It yes. felt like a much longer part of it. Uh, then the middle did seem shorter, and then when it got to an end, it was a bit of a real sort of lame duck ending. That's why I don't want to mention the book. <laughs> um, but it's a real shame because I really enjoyed the book. But yeah, the ending just rolled off too quick. Yeah. And it was kind of, I felt that the author in this instance didn't quite know how to finish the story, mm. you know, and that, that, that. So, yeah, so I think that, that in itself is going to be hard because, yeah, you've got the start and you've got to build your characters and introduce them to the readers and then get the journey through probably the, the, the middle of the book of whatever that journey happens to be and then to resolve everything or leave it on a cliffhanger, I don't know, at the end. Um, that's probably got to be the hardest part, I would imagine. Um. Yeah, it can be just sort of making sure you've wrapped yeah, to be up happy all the to say lines. that I am happy with where I'm finishing it. Yes, mm. um, like I say, the book I'm writing at the moment, I've written the beginning and I've 
I'm working on the ending. Mm-hmm. So I've got a few scenes for that. Um, and then I'm working, I'm actually writing backwards. Okay. So that... Can you give us uh, any insight in this book? I mean, this is... Um, it, it's a vampire, Ooh. sort of urban fantasy. Ooh. Um, I'll try not to give away no, too no, many no, spoilers. No, that, um, that, that, that's, a, that's a fantasy, vampires. What more do you yeah, want to do? so... I'm already pro- sold. The main yeah. premise is that um, woman comes home, she, she lives with her family, and her mum, dad, and brother have all been murdered by vampires <sighs> while she's out. Dun, dun, dun. And she teams up with a vampire to solve the deaths, but she doesn't actually realise he's a vampire. Okay, <laughs> I think you've given us enough there. Let's leave us on the edge there, Sarah. Yes, so, yeah, so the deaths are linked to secrets in his past. Right. So I've got to try and fit all of those in and to make sure that you address all, those clues, all, all the, the different clues points, there, yeah. I've, yeah, I'm working on the ending, I'm working backwards, and then, so yeah, if I need to add in a point, if it's not covered, then I can sort of edit through and, um, but yeah, I've, it's called reverse plotting, but I don't really I, I reverse do, plot because yeah. I, I reverse right. That's really interesting thinking about all the different kind of ways you can do a story like that. Yeah. Um, whereas I, at the moment, I'm kind of toying with an idea of writing a novel. And I'm basically a couple of thousand words in and I'm basically just starting at the beginning and just seeing where it goes uh, to kind of flesh out a plot for an audio drama that I did write. It's going to be interesting to kind of see if I'm going to jump like to later on, write some of that, and then maybe go back. See what happens. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, if you're struggling, start with the scenes that you've got in your head, the, the scenes yeah. you really do you, want to write. When, and then... mm. when you have an idea for a, for a story, Sarah, does it kind of all come to you in a rush? Do you suddenly got to get this? The thought process is a, a lot faster than verbally explaining a story. Yeah. So do you kind of get this, you, you know where it's going to start and even to the point of you know where it's going to end and you in your head you've kind of got this micro-condensed story and then is that, is that how it works for you? Um, or do you just think, I've got an idea for a story, I'm going to see where it takes me? A bit of both really. Like I say, I'll have an idea and I'll plot it out and then once I start writing... It ends evolves. up. It evolves, and it just ends up flowing in a mm-hmm. different direction. Exactly. Um, it sounds daft, but I've noticed that if the characters don't want to do something, I will get writer's block. Right. And I'll be trying to force the story in one direction, and I just yeah, writer's block. Can't write anything. It's going really slowly. You know, mm-hmm. a couple hundred words a day, and I'm like, what's wrong? Um, I'll look at it, and it yeah. As soon as I have a think about it go actually maybe if they do this instead and the story will just so flow starts flowing right? and yeah so you make it sound as if the characters <laughs> have taken control of your story themselves they're a charge yeah and a lot of authors do say that you know the characters take over mm. um it, it was true in some ways i think because they're running around in the back of my head <laughs> I, I, there's a story that uh, that i recall about uh, robert e howard who obviously is most famous for writing the character conan but uh, and it's supposedly when he was writing the stories of Conan, he felt that Conan was literally standing behind him, you know, overseeing what he was writing, and he and so he had to get it right, otherwise mm. Conan wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't be happy with it. You know, uh, how true that is, I don't know, but yeah, that's that's kind of what you just explained. <laughs> it sounded like what you were. Yeah, it was, yeah, very, very similar. And um, yeah, I've I've read a lot of authors 
saying similar things and mm-hmm. I was thinking that sounds a bit weird and then it happens. So you have a vampire house. looking over your shoulder <laughs> at the moment when you're at your doings, I don't know. <laughs> doing the doings. Do, doing the doings on your, on your yeah. computer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to what you're saying about the book you read that was a slow start, mm-hmm. they actually, the, one of the main things people say is start at the beginning of the story. Um, so start where the action starts. Mm-hmm. Um, I downloaded a sample of a book the other day, and it literally—I I assume it was the main character. But it started with the conception of the character, their birth, and then it went. The first chapter started with what I assume is the mentor turning up, and I'm like, okay, I'm bored now. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I find it very difficult sometimes. You know, I'm a great bookworm. And, uh, yeah, if I have a book that just doesn't grab me within maybe the first two chapters, then it, it can it can be hard going. Yes, yeah, your first chapter has to grab your audience and your first sentence as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's called the hook because right. you're well, supposed it, to hook your characters in. I'm, I'm assuming that the kind of book writing skills maybe have changed over the centuries because uh, the reason I say that is because recently I, I read Robinson Crusoe which is a book you'd think that I probably would have read years ago, but I've never got round to reading it, uh, even though I know Robinson Crusoe, the, the, the story format and everything, and you've got umpteen TV shows and movies of Robinson Crusoe and variations on a theme. And eventually I thought, do you know, I've, I've left it long enough, I'm going to read Robinson Crusoe. And it was an absolute push to even get through that book because it was so, so boring. <laughs> it was like, I, I literally got that point where... A third in, I said, I've started this now. I, I am going to finish it. <laughs> and then when I'm like two thirds through, I'm thinking, God, I've got to finish this book because I have invested so much time in this yeah. book now and it is so, so boring. And then it got to the end and literally in the last chapter, it like had an exciting bit in it that actually was like, I wish I'd read that first because that was about the only interesting <laughs> bit in the whole book. Uh, yeah, so, so how... Be warned if you've never read Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> so, yeah, um, certainly how books are written has changed. Um, the main reason is because of television. Mm-hmm. Um, is it attention span? Is it people that... I think it's part attention span and with TV these days, there's just so many channels and so many things to watch. If it doesn't catch your attention... Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. You turn over and it, it's kind of spread into books as well. That's a shame in a way. Mm. Uh, I, I kind of like because you, you, that, I think that has been the downfall of TV in recently years. Um, yeah, that they... Okay, I'm going to put it on the line. We're Doctor Who fans. Yeah. Okay, and if you watched Classic Who, just to put it into some kind of simple perspective, Classic Who, you used to get mainly four part four parts, sto- yeah. stories. So you'd watch a story over four weeks each one leaving a cliffhanger to the next one. And then when they started the new Who, mm. as we call it... From 2005, it, yeah. It's literally one episode is one story. That's it. And I believe they did that because they wanted to go for more of the international market, especially the US, where they were used to uh, TV programmes such as Star Trek, where they do exactly that, one story in one episode, maybe spread it over two episodes. There's, there's probably the odd variation to that, but mainly mm. it's... You capture your audience, one episode, one story, and they've developed the attention span. that That's all they want. Mm. They don't want to have to wait. And moving on from that, watching a, a, a program like Classic Who, which is four episodes, yeah, you would watch it, 
hit the cliffhanger and literally have to wait a week before you see the next one. Yeah, you couldn't binge now, watch it on now, the player. Now, people are, like, they're so into this binge watching yeah. that it gets to the point, I've seen posts on social media where they say, I am refusing to even watch this series until, until the whole of the them have run so I can then binge watch it. And I, I, I'm kind of feeling that that's kind of sounding like it's happened with books as well. That if it's not a quick, you know, if people aren't um, satisfied by a book, maybe faster, they go, mm. oh, I'm not reading that. Because I'm sure, I don't know, has book has, has people's attention spans and, uh, uh, gone down? And what about people actually reading books? Have you got any kind of statistics on that where... You know, people would read a lot. Now it's very hard to get maybe youngsters to read books because all they want to do is the quick fix, what, read something on their phone. It's probably where they... Uh, the problem they have in the, this day and age with uh, news and things, they'll get a, a little, you know, uh, headline or something mm. and they'll just take that and, and maybe the first paragraph of a, of, of a news thing as being the news yeah. and don't look into it anymore because they haven't got the attention span. Yeah. You know, because they're saying that a lot of people watch to get their news from social media off their phones now because they don't bother watching yeah, TV news bulletins, yeah, broadcasts and mm. things. So uh, with books, are people still reading lots of books or do you think that that's gone down? Um, I know Kindle sales are increasing a lot of people swapping over to digital media. Well, that's interesting as um, well. There are websites like um, Wattpad where people can self-published stories mm -hmm. and you literally write a ch write a chapter and people can see the book as you're writing it oh gosh which gosh i'm not trying because i'm thinking well what happens if you need to go back yeah, and I was change gonna say, what if you... yeah stuff otherwise it's like final yeah you're i mean if you're they're not going to want to read every rewrite mm -hmm. and it's like well yeah i'm not quite sure unless you've pre-written it and then only posting it one chapter at a time but See, so, yeah, that's interesting because so, I know you are a Kindle fan. You love Kindle. Mostly because I run out of room for books in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> They're stacking up on the floor. Um, you, you gave us an interesting statistic before we came in the studio, actually, uh, about libraries. Yes. Um, the definition of a library is a minimum of a thousand books. Right. Um, which I've got back in my room and on my Kindle. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. It's good to know that we, we, we have got, a library. You've actually well. got two libraries. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm a massive bookworm. If, if you're going to write, you need to be, to be a reader. Again, it's um, a, maybe it's a social sort of comment, but uh, do you ever go into houses, you know, friends' houses or you know, somebody's house? Yeah, where you've been invited, obviously. You're not just uh, broken in. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hi, come so, check your books out. <laughs> just go into a house and then, because I, I get this kind of weird kind of feeling i go into a house and it's, if it's one of the ones that completely you know devoid of books anywhere you sort of look around and there's no books on the shelf no books anywhere mm. i kind of find that that's odd because i'm yeah. so used to having books i have a i have a revolving uh, edwardian bookcase right next to my chair you know that i can spin around and well grab a book out and read it and and it's like to go into homes sometimes where there is no evidence that a book exists <laughs> but then again, maybe I'm being odd because perhaps they all own Kindles and all their books are on Kindle, and that's why I can't see them. I don't know, but I I love to see physical books. Mm. Yes, you know and I mean? and and plus to the physical books, you don't have to charge them. <laughs> you don't have to charge them. <laughs> yes, but it, it's a nightmare trying to fit that many books in your suitcase. Um, <laughs> I, went, I, I went away on holiday with my folks, 
and I literally read 12 books in two weeks. <laughs> well, I ran out of books I'd taken with me and I was reading the ones in the in the villa. Um, some military thrillers, which really aren't my thing, but it was a but book you read and them. it was sat there. I mean, I've got bored once and started reading the Yellow Pages. So <laughs> They're all showing your age now, they don't have them. Oh, do they still have Yellow Pages? I've no idea. I don't it's probably a lot for It's on, online now, isn't it? Yes. Um, but yeah, if it's got writing on it and I've got nothing else to do, I will sit and read it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, um, like I say, major book. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely nothing wrong with it. No, um, but yeah, yeah mean, that is like it. I, I find that a commendable uh, attribute when somebody is so into reading books because, as, as I've always said, you know, you if you if you read. You know, you live a thousand lifetimes. If you don't read, you only live one. Yes. You know, and, and well, how you know, profound. Well, it is, but it's the true. You could yeah. go on so many adventures, whether it be uh, a fictional book or whether it be your, uh, it might be something that you a factual book about um, the world, nature, whatever, and you're learning all these things. Uh, or you're going on a fictional adventure, or a crime story, a fantasy, whatever. Every book you read takes you on a new adventure. But if you just don't read anything, not only are you not consuming very interesting facts that you might otherwise, you know, uh, miss out on knowing, um, but you just, you can miss it out on so much. <laughs> just, just, yeah. that's why I love books, because they're just like, you can disappear into that world. Mm. Yeah. For as long as you want. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it's great fun, unless it's Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> Deliberate stab, right? Yeah, I've got that. No, 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 never again. My mum actually accuses me of actually trying to physically get in the book because I'm short sighted. I take my glasses off to read, and then the pages are like inches from my nose. So Dive in there. <laughs> Literally, trying to find I'm just getting. If I hit it against my face hard enough, maybe I will. You want one of those sort of like uh, film montages now of you where you, you've dived into the book and you're swimming through the words. The you pages. Know? The pages are unfolding, you know. Sarah swimming through the fantasy. How abstract. Exactly. I mean, yeah, along similar, I don't know how people read to fall asleep. Because. I couldn't do that. I, I, no, I, reading the last thing at night is impossible because my eyes won't stay. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it's you always seem to reach a good bit just as you're thinking about putting the book down, and then next thing I know, it's six in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I, I, I've had the dawn chorus more than once because I've been sat up reading. But that, that that is the thing with the book because if you find that you're reading an engaging book, you get to the end of a chapter, and then it's hard not to. You don't want to put it down yeah. because it, I'm just going to read the next chapter to see what happens. Yes, which is a sign you know. of good. Good, good book because yeah it's supposed to draw yeah you I, it, I understand so. when reading a book for the first time you might you know you've got a series of books here so i remember when i read the first book obviously i'm being introduced to the characters yes. introduced to the world building that you've made you know you've created this whole you know empire um so when i get to the second book i'm familiar with the main characters so i kind of already know where i am with it and then there's mm. new characters introduced new places to visit within it so with any book that you read for the first time you're going to have that kind of i've got to get through the first few chapters just to get, get that taste for it you yeah know? but as you say if you haven't captured the reader by then then you may well find they just shut the book there you go there you go so we've got our basic uh, advice of know what you want to write here yeah have your start middle and end and then fill in the gaps. Yeah, and do all your research beforehand. I mean, you, if you come across something that you think, actually, I want to have that, you can go off and do research. But if you do the research straight away, you're going to 
you're at high risk of doing something called info dumping where you just put all your research <laughs> into the book into the book and it slows the story right so, down so you need to sort of drip feed right so talking about for example the one you're writing at the moment and don't give anything away uh, but you're writing one that's obviously based on vampires when you say research do you go and research vampire folklore for example and to incorporate that or even take from sort of movie folklore which is you know a lot of that stuff isn't actually like based on folklore folklore but whatever that research is is that what you then because yeah. you can people people love vampires for example mm. so they kind of expect certain vampire tropes maybe to be in there or maybe have something completely new or addressed even yeah, yeah. Or, or something addressed yeah um, well yeah I, I did read sort of um, books on sort of vampires. And yeah, so that, that's what you would say. Uh, yeah, your, your um, research. And picked out sort of the things that I wanted. So, um, in the original folklore, vampires could do magic. Um, interestingly, in the original Dracula, um, Dracula could actually go out in daylight. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole vampires combusting if they're hit by someone was to do with the first Dracula movie. They brought right. it in as a special effect. They wanted to try it out, sort of mm-hmm. the, the whole sort of going up in a cloud of smoke, which is where that comes from. Um, so, yeah, um, the only thing about going out in daylight was it limited, so Dracula couldn't shape change whatever yeah. form he was in at sunrise was the one he was in till sunset. Right. Um, it weakened is, his powers. Yes. Um, so... Yes, and in my book, Vampires Can Do Magic, um, I've looked into animal anatomy as well. So they've got the dentition of vampire bats, which, mm-hmm. again, Hollywood vampires have got the long canines, where with vampire bats, it's actually the incisors they use for puncturing the skin, and the canines are actually used for shearing the fur and the feathers of their prey. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they lap up the blood as it yes. comes out. Don't yeah, mm. so... Oh, I'm getting a ma- so imagine you... a vampire, they go... <laughs> <laughs> Town effects. <laughs> ASMR again. Um, yeah, so they've Stop got... licking me. Get off. <laughs> I'm not licking you. Yeah, so Stop it. They've got anticoagulants in the saliva of yep. vampire bats. So, yes, yeah, so vampires have that as well. Um, and my vampires also have subdermal armour, right. so it lowers their body temperature. It okay, don't tell us any more of that. So, no, 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 you're, but... getting, you're enjoying your story yes, and yeah, you, you um, want to share. So... So, that, so I actually so, researched armadillos. Right. Okay. Yeah, because they have obviously yeah. external body armor. Yes. Um, which armadillo? Yes. I, I read an article. Someone tried to shoot an armadillo and almost killed themselves because of the ricochet. Ricocheted. <laughs> Who would so... want to shoot an armadillo? That's, that's mean. That's really mean. We love armadillos. Yeah, they're fun. You know. Yeah. So, um, yeah but that's yeah, so, that, that's yeah, exactly so, it. You're summing up the point. Uh, that that I wanted to cover, which yes. was that's what you do when you talk about research. You know, yes. just to, to um, find the information. Yeah, and sort of little things for the world building as well. Um, the whole idea that got me sort of started on this book was I'd read a um, literally a paragraph in in a book. I can't remember what it was now that said uh, Winston Churchill was a druid. Um, I know there were um, practicing witches that supposedly did spells to protect England from German invasion during the war, and I was thinking, oh, vampires, magic. Super soldiers. Okay, okay. Yeah, and, and, and all this. of that all sort of went in. Went in. So, um, and then, yeah, I was going to set it in 1940s, try a historical setting, and it's ended up modern day. So, yeah, it, <laughs> it's yeah, everything changes. So you sort of sit down with an idea, and it. So at this point, maybe we should move on to how does a book get from like 
being written yeah, to so being you, published. Yeah, that's good. You've you've got your whole. Yeah. How, wh- where is that step that suddenly it becomes? Right, you've put the like end. a a real publishable book. Yeah. So you've um, got, it's in a word document. In, yeah. And it's got the end written on it. Mm. Yeah. Now we're going to go physical with this. Yeah. Um. First thing to do as soon as you've finished it, go back and edit. Um. There's a really good book. It's called uh, Self Editing for Self Publishers um, by Richard Bradburn, and. Yeah, it gives you an idea. So, look at your adjectives. The whole showing don't don't tell. So, you know, rather than saying, "Oh, I had a phone call," if you can show the telephone conversation, put that in. Hmm. The interesting thing with any dialogue in the book, it's your characters can't just have a random sort of conversation. You know, bump into neighbours. You know, discussion about holiday. If it doesn't move the story forward, it shouldn't be in there. Right. Okay. Mm. So. Um, yeah, idea of you know how to do that. Um, BBC Scripts they have a script library of sort of a lot of their TV shows and movies, um, which give you a good idea sort of how dialogue should work in a book because it's the same as in films. Um, yeah, so go through, edit it, make sure you hit all those key points that you need to for your genre, um, and you probably want to do at least a couple of edits. And then you need to send it to a professional editor. Right, okay. Even if you think you've got everything. So how, how do you go about finding an editor? Um, there is a Chartered Institute of Proofreaders and Editors. Right. Um, they have editors mm-hmm. all over the country. They're all freelance. Um, so I'm assuming there's a fee involved in this. Yes. Um, it is well worth the money. Um, with my first book, when I published it, I didn't... I sort of self-edited um, and put it up for sale. Um, I did sort of um, print on demand rather than vanity because vanity is an upfront cost. Um, and the editing, they don't seem to do a lot of editing and you just you end up with a box full of books and yeah. then it's up to you to sell them. Whereas print on demand, sort of, you know, you don't have big piles of books sat around in your house. Yes, yeah, so the first book, I wasn't sure how it was going to do so like I say I put it up for sale I had probably 300 downloads in the first month right. which a lot more than I thought I would ever sell so I thought okay um, so I then took it to an editor got it properly edited because that was one of the feedbacks I got from readers saying you know it needs proper editing and I also paid for cover art okay. so if you're going to spend money to publish a book spend it on your editing and cover art you can do your own cover art there are programs you can use Um, but what I would suggest is look at published books in the genre you want to um, publish in Mm -hmm. and if you can find pick a book find the images because they usually say where they've got the images for from the cover and try and mock up the cover yourself so that you know how to combine those elements and you end up with something professional Yeah, looking. I was going to say, that, mm. that in itself must be very, very important part of a book because that's what captures your eye well, to that's, that That's book. what they say, they ne- never read a book by its cover. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that... Uh, but again, it is what grabs you. Yes. I, I do like a lot of science fiction and I've read so many sci-fi books over the years and I can honestly say that I have chosen sci-fi books in the past because I've been particularly taken by the cover. Mm. 
Hmm. Only to find the book out it's actually been very disappointing. Or uh, hence, even hence even where that's hence where the story uh, the, the, the what you just said never judge a book by its cover. Sometimes the covers have been very enticing, but the content hasn't been great. Hmm. So you know, but it's very important. You do, equally as much, you don't want to boring book cover of course yes. you know, and so. your book cover needs to match what your book's about as yeah well. well that's what i could say because the book uh, just i can't remember the title of it but i just remember this particular book and it had a fantastic cover art this really nice uh, kind of 1950s style sci-fi artwork and it didn't have anything to do with the story inside and that's exactly what you just said yeah. you know and it's like that was disappointing because I'm like, how, how is this a, i'm finished the book and it's like why has it got this cover art you know? mm. yes because mm. the people that do the cover art don't read the books they ask you what the book's about right and yeah so yeah, it's if important you're expecting someone to sort of go okay we're going to do a cover based on this scene it's not going to happen yeah cover art is one of the things okay so let's go through through this for, for the listeners you've got your book uh you make sure you've edited it self-edit it or mm. they may p- perhaps best recommended pay to have it professionally edited yes work out your cover art yeah. to go with the book so it's now at a position where you have your cover art finalized you have your final edit then what do you do um so then you need to format it right so um, so paperback formatting is different to a Kindle formatting. Okay. Um, there are websites that will do it for you. You just upload like a PDF version of your book and it will put it all in the right format or even work the Word document. Um, with the typesetting for, um, well, even the paperbacks, um, if it's done by computer, it's not always properly typeset. Um, you're there's loads of YouTube videos on how to typeset a book, you know, how to lay it out for book formatting in Word. Word is not designed for that. It Word is literally the replacement for a typewriter. Yeah, it's a word mm. processor. So, yeah, so if you justify the text so it's lined up square with the left and the right margins, you end up with big gaps between words and it looks awful. And you'll see self-published books where they've done that. Right. And um, there are open source softwares for typesetting mm-hmm. um, Scribus is the one I use so with the um, the computer typesetting ones where it's all done I imagine by AI you still get things um, so there are three things to avoid in the typesetting stacking where you have the same word above okay. the, so you've got like say the word the on one line and you've got the word the exactly lined up underneath um, problem with that is it draw, you can skip lines because your eye automatically jumps yep. from one to the other mm-hmm. so you need to avoid stacking and then widows and orphans so you start a paragraph so the top first bit of the paragraph is on the bottom of the page and then the, it carries on right. so where you've got just like one line one line has been cut off yeah on the previous page hmm. you need to avoid that widows which, and orphans which, yeah so um, getting, getting all the tidbits <laughs> this, is, this, is, uh, this is very insightful it I've is, got to say I would um, never have considered all this in depth stuff I, I mean could that be enough to maybe somebody listening now who thinks oh I want to write a book I'm all enthusiastic Oh dearie me! If I could go through all that, if I could um, go through that, I mean, is there, uh, is it a case that if you just say, "Here's my final document," can you give it to somebody? But that's going to cost you. There are people that will do it. I, um, I imagine that there's a website called Fiverr where you literally pay five dollars and somebody will do like cover art for you. I imagine there's typesetters and things on the, people on there as well. It is fairly easy to learn. I have taught myself. There you go. Um, 
I've actually got a tutorial on how to typeset on my website. So Would you I'll want to plug your website at this point? Um, because anybody listening to this is going to yes. need, need this help. So it's sarahdowningblog.wordpress.com. So Say that again. sarahdowningblog.wordpress.com. Uh, okay. Um, I'll, get, I'll, put, I'll put a link, link somewhere. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, so I've got literally a step-by-step on how to oh, that's very handy. Um, typeset in Scribus on there. Um, like I say, there are websites like uh, Readsy where you can just upload your book and it'll it'll do all that for you. So it'll it'll give you a, send you back a PDF. It only takes a few minutes. Um, but like I say, it doesn't avoid the stacking, stacking and, the and the widows and the orphans, um, which to me it yeah it doesn't quite look as a professional as it could, could be. Do. But okay. you know they do nice layouts, so it depends what you're looking for. Um, the other thing I found out the other day is apparently all new chapters are supposed to start on the right hand page of the book, Ooh. which I don't oh. know, so, so how would, how I would mean, you like amend that? But with, I assume you'd have to add more words um, or an extra page. Ju- ju- just, um, spacing. Cause, um, so when you're typesetting by hand, you just you align everything to the left-hand margin, mm-hmm. and then you pick your longest sentence, and then you line everything up with that. Um, and you have something called kerning, which is the space between the letters. You can enlarge that, but don't go overboard because mm-hmm. otherwise you just end up with like a sentence that's just like a, str- a string of letters. Um, but you can sort of adjust that just so it's not noticeable, but it helps fit the words. Does it on tend the page. to? Can it? Can it to like be? Uh, jump your lines around you know when you have a conversation in a in a book they tend to like be one person's line and finished off with they exclaimed then the next person's line then the next person and then there might be a line of text and then the next person's spoken words and, and you know you could you're like broken up format of a conversation yeah. can, can they sort of like not realize that that's what's happening and just keep sticking the mo- in making them into longer <laughs> sentences um it usually f- um, so when I finished it, I usually put it into Word and then uh-huh. export that to whatever I'm okay. doing. Um, the, so it should, well, Scribus doesn't keep any of the formatting. So if you've got anything in the italics or bold, you've got to go back through the document and find those sections. It takes a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, and sort of put those back into italics. Um, with... Kindle formatting, I would say, um, it, it will keep the formatting that you have in Word. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a paragraph of text, what you can't see on like the Kindle reader is all the, because it uses HTML code, so computer co- basic computer coding, to say what the format of those paragraphs is. And if you import it straight from Word, each paragraph has a massive block of text that you can't see attached to it, saying, okay, this paragraph is in sort of Roman mm-hmm. 11 point yep. um, with so you know 8 point spacing between the lines right and, so you get all that extra information yeah, on, and that that seriously increases the size of your books so what okay for the for, for the that person out there writing a book what, what is your go to uh, platform that you actually write on um, I actually use a software called Scrivener Scrivener so do you save not only to your device 
but the cloud, yeah, just in case um, anything goes wrong. I've, so with Scrivener, you can use it over multiple platforms. So I, oh, have, right. so I have Scrivener on my computer, uh-huh. and that's linked to a cloud drive. Mm-hmm. And then, so I can close that down, put, make sure it's uploaded to the cloud, shut my computer down, grab my tablet, okay. sit downstairs, well, and, write, that, mm. and it, when I open it up, it's all there. Um, what's nice about Scrivener is it's got a little camera symbol that um, when you click it, it copies what you've done. So if you make changes and then say, actually, you prefer the original, original. draft, you can roll it back. back. Ah. Um, wow. And the other nice thing about Scrivener is you write on cards. So they have a corkboard function. So mm-hmm. you can set out your key scenes um, and shuffle. And you literally just click and drag sh- and shuffle stuff around. And then if you click on it, it turns it into a document and you can write in that scene. So if you decide actually this scene works better in the beginning, rather than cut and paste, you just slide the, the page or pages to where you want them. Right. So mm. it makes it easier for shuffling things around. Brilliant. So we're, our, our new writer who's listening now knows what best software to use. Yeah. Uh, it knows all about the editing, prepping up for the cover. All this is in place. How do you physically get that physical book? Um, okay, so... With Kindle, um, so the digital version, it's easier because once it's all formatted, um, I self-publish through Amazon just because it's got quite a large audience mm-hmm. um, and it's actually one of the biggest sort of Kindle. Um, there are other companies that do e- sort of EPUBs and sort mm-hmm. of electronic books. Um, so, yeah, you literally just create a... Um, an account um, so that's K- it's the KDP that I publish through which is K- Kindle Direct Publishing right. um, you, s- you literally click new book type in your title all your author details upload the PDF and your cover art and then hit publish and away you go wow. away you fantastic go. Um, with, it's slightly more tricky with the paperbacks um, because the size of the cover depends on how many pages you've got Okay. Ooh. So that's um, interesting. So you need to decide what size book you want. Make sure it's all formatted. Um, that includes all your front matter. So, you know, your copyrights, publishing information. You know, the little blurb text that says, you know, all the characters are fictional and not based on real people. And mm-hmm. um, and yeah. So then you get your page count from that. Um, they have a. Um, a template on, on KDP where you tell them what size book you want, how many pages, and it'll give you a template for your cover art. Just make sure it fits on there nice and neat. And then, again, you just upload that all into KDP and publish, and then, yeah, somebody goes, okay, I want the paperback. It all gets printed out. They print it out automatically for you. Yes, but oh. you can choose um, sort of styles. I mean, my books, they've got a matte cover, but you can have shiny covers, and um, and there's Again, Amazon aren't the only ones that so do it. Anybody so, anybody wants any further advice, can they come to your website and yeah, send you a, I'm more than happy to answer questions. Email. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a uh, sort of comments box on the website. Just yeah, drop me a question. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly glad to. that I know you. Yes. <laughs> I can, I can send you a message. <laughs> yes, it. Um, right. To round off, I, there's one question that's been in the back of my mind and I, all, all through this podcast, and I, I've got to ask this. When writing a book, when do you find the title? Um, hmm. uh, sometimes I start with the title. 
Um, Weft of Crimson, I actually got the title from that from the book. Um, do you kind of like have a working title and, or is it like, you know, you have that title, it's an inspiration, right? I'm writing mm. the book around that title or I've written the book and I'm just, it's that part. I like that. I'm going to take that and use it as a title. Um, I sort of do, do both. Sometimes I start with a title and go, okay, this is my working title. I might change it and then it stays as it is. Okay, or... so I'm going to take you to your first book, Bound. Did you think of the title um, um, before writing the book? I or? didn't have a title for that one um, when I first started writing. Um, like I say, the first one took me eight years to write, so it ended up a completely different story than what I started with. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Well, you are certainly dedicated. Eight, <laughs> yeah. eight years for your first book. Yes. Is um, it a world record? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about that, but um, I mean, the others sort of took me sort of a couple of years because while I was writing the first one, other ideas coming uh, to yeah. yeah um i mean the second book started because i couldn't fit everything i wanted to say in, in the, the first, first one book. and then i that kind of happened with the second one <laughs> and it just sort of snowballed there's there's still storylines in there that i haven't tied off i really enjoy um, the creative process in that respect <laughs> yeah so um at some point i want to write an anthology of sort of short stories um sort of focusing on some of the minor characters and tying up some of the loose ends okay. I think mm. quite tight well, last question I, I've got just to finish off when is it likely this vampire book's going to be um, available I'm about 40,000 words in uh, in the actual writing I mean I've written 90,000 words but most of those have ended up in the trash bin <laughs> but um, I'm sort of I, I am drawing sort of scenes from that back in so I'm hoping probably by next year that should okay, be available. So give yourself a year. Yeah. Years, Grace. <laughs> and you can come back in. Yeah, we can come do back another in podcast and tell us all about this uh, this new book. Um, but yeah, like I say, main thing research. Um, they say write what you know. Right, that doesn't, you that know. doesn't mean if you're writing murder mysteries, you go out and kill <laughs> yeah, someone. No, no, oh, oh, yes. sorry. I, I just took this advice uh, from this podcast. Yes, I, I, I was listening to Sarah Downing, and she said I needed to do <laughs> yeah. some research. Um, <laughs> I mean, there are books out there, and there's a series of books by an author called uh, P.D. Lyle. He's a American doctor, MD. He writes murder mysteries. He has books on sort of forensics for fiction, <laughs> and if you can't find your answer in any of his books drop him an email he only gets back to you really quickly because i've had used him for a couple of questions oh cool um my first four books because they've got sword fighting in there i went out and learned proper broadsword fighting nice so uh yeah wonder who that has got anything to do with (laughs) (laughs) i have no idea um but yeah so i thought you know research yeah what a brilliant way to finish off this podcast Um, fantastic but yeah there's lots of books on I mean, I've got book poisons for authors, which tell you all, all the symptoms and so how to make a kin. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm surprised I'm not on a watch list somewhere because of my Google histories. <laughs> <laughs> Superb. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for coming into the studio. It's been fantastic learning all about this. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very in-depth, yeah, and uh, like but that. very insightful. Yes, I'm sure I could have talked uh, talked for hours on this. But, um, well, yeah, but yeah, that's but, the thing. Yes. That's the. Th- well, we will be getting you back in. Yeah, but any questions from any of your listeners? Drop me a line. And Zach will um, put the link in the, the uh, description. Description. Yeah, I t- uh, I'll tell you what as well. Um, I've got some promotional vouchers for my audio book. So if like first five listeners email me, say Zach Wild Productions and the episode number, I'll send them a, a link 
for a free copy of the audiobook. Wow. Wow, that is so exciting. There you go, listeners. Be one of those first five. So, before we leave, it's time to reach over to the Hat of Mystery, the Sherlock Holmes Hat of Topics. I have the Deer Stalker. (laughs) So, this is to find out the next topic for an exclusive episode for our patrons and YouTube members. Right now, Sarah, do you dare thrust your hand (laughs) into the Deer Stalker? Deer Stalker hat. That's it. Okay. Let's find out the episode number. Let's see see if Zach can 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 remember what it is. is. Um, Always testing you. Flat Earth. Ah! Number one. Episode number one. one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it had to come out at some point. It's in every episode, somehow. Somehow, there's usually a reference to the flat Earth theory. Oh, dear. Oh, so we're going to have to come in and talk about any developments on the flat Earth. Fun fact, it's flat. Apparently. <laughs> it's fun fact. There's eight other planets. Or is it seven these days, other planets? We'll talk about it in the episode. We will. So the spherical That will be an exclusive episode available for our patrons and YouTube members. I look forward to it. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to this channel and comment below any suggestions of topics or activities you'd like to listen to in future episodes. That's a big bound goodbye from Zach. That's a fictional goodbye from Buzz. And it's a well-canned goodbye from Sarah. Goodbye. You can find the Now We Know Show podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon Music and Apple Podcasts. Keep up to date with everything ZWP on Facebook and Instagram or visit the Zach Wild Productions website at www.zachwildproductions.com. And remember to join us on Patreon or become a YouTube member for early access content and exclusive episodes. (laughs) 